Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they, being the Jesus, uh, Jesus and the disciples, were going along the road, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And to another, he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Father, we trust that that's you calling right now. <laughs> and that you're excited about what's going to happen that you have good things for us in your word, things that will give us strength, give us clarity, give us purpose, make us passionate, bring us to new life. We trust that when those words come out and get in, that we're changed. And all God's people said, amen, amen. I think that God has something more for you than what you're currently experiencing. I think God has something more for you to do than what you're currently doing. And I don't intend that you would be busier. I intend that you would be ministering more frequently and more powerfully. And I, I want to explain how that works. Um, you see, um, it doesn't matter who you are. And it doesn't matter what you've done. God's got you. He gave you hands for you to place those onto other people and give them life. And he gave you a mouth so that when you speak words, you can take a small spark in the heart of another human being and cause it to flame. Uh, things got away from me a little bit at 8.30, so if from time to time you wonder, what the crap is happening to my pastor, um, just ignore it. <laughs> uh, but here's the deal. I, uh, you know, we, we spent the last couple of weeks talking about, about the history of Christian spirituality, uh, looking at the last 2,000 years of Christian practice and tradition. I am deeply concerned with the next 2,000 years. Um, of Christian tradition, and, and, and it's you. You're the Christians they're going to tell stories about in a hundred years. And I want so badly for you to count, for your lives to matter. And of course, in one sense, of course, of course your life matters. It's just the fact that you're a human being, the fact that you're alive. I mean, you're not, you're not wasted space. But in another sense, man, there's so much more for you. And you know it. You know it. You know that God's got something better for you. God's got something more for you than what you're experiencing. You feel it. You just, you just don't know how to get to it. You don't know if it's all right. You don't know if it's okay. You don't know if you're screwing it up. And, um, these three encounters that Jesus has with people are, are really representative of all of us, right? Ooh, look out. I was just in Nashville. I learned some dance moves. <laughs> Uh, that's my worship jazzercise video. It'll be coming out soon. 
these three encounters, they, uh, you know, one guy says, Lord, um, I want to follow you. Um, and Jesus says, uh, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Foxes have holes in the ground. Birds got a nest. I got nothing. Nothing. What's the guy talking about? Lord, I want to follow you. Why does Jesus tell him this strange and beguiling story about the place where animals sleep? Well, he's telling the guy to count the cost. This guy says, in essence, I, I want to follow you. I just, I, just, I just don't need something of my own. I need a little space. I need something that, you know, that, that's mine. And Jesus says, well, then you're not really following me. I don't get that. You think you're better than me? Now, there might be a, a little part of this that's hyperbolic, but I'll leave you to make the excuses later. The, the short version, though, is, is Jesus is saying, look, either follow me or don't. And this guy's trying to, he's trying to just keep a little bit. He's trying to, well, the word that we would use is he's trying to set up some boundaries. Now, here's the funny thing about boundaries. We all know that they're good, except for the part when they're not, because sometimes our boundaries only serve the purpose of being a boundary. That's not what you have boundaries. You don't have boundaries so you can brag about it on Facebook. You have boundaries to protect the things that are really important. And some of us are so concerned about our boundaries, we do absolutely nothing with our lives. We waste. So good job. You're well-rested. You're bored. You're a solid three out of five. You're a C plus. Good job, afternoon TV. You're crushing it. What, what boundaries did Jesus have? Was he, was he clocking it in at that 35-hour-a-week job? Was he making sure he got, you know, plenty of sleep, cuddled up in his sleep country mattress, eating his keto diet? No, he, he was pushing himself beyond all reason because he, he knew who he was and why he was here. And you and I, we've we, we got to figure out what game we're playing. Lord, I'll follow you. You, you know what's going to suck, right? Like, there's going to be some hard stuff. I mean, there'll be joys. There'll be revels. You'll experience the most intense pleasures and adventures imaginable. Um, but, like, it's not Disney World. you got to count the cost. And then you got to pay it. I counted the cost. I thought we had a coupon. You know, it's America. It's sort of be easy here. And, oh, there's no coupon. Then the next guy comes. Lord, I'll follow you. First, just let me go and bury my father. And the ever-compassionate Jesus of Nazareth says, let the dead bury their own dead. Uh, thanks. Weird flex, but okay. I've always wanted to say that. I got it just working in there. I feel really proud of myself. Um, what's Jesus saying? Is he really saying you're not allowed to go bury your dad and be a Christian? I mean, that's, that's ridiculous, right? He's not saying that. Of course not. But see, we all have uh, family stresses. And we want to be obedient. We, we want to follow God. It's just, I just don't want my wife to be mad at me. <laughs> my wife's never been mad at me. I was just trying to give you the... you wretched husbands that you are. 
No, the, the truth is there's, there's no such thing as a marriage where your wife is not mad at you at some point for something. There's no such thing as a relationship where the guy you're with isn't a sourpuss about something grumpy and pouty, sullen, pretending that it's really it's muscles, but no, he's just a baby. You know, we, we get it. We got one at home. We know what it's like. You cannot avoid family tension. You certainly can't be faithful to the mission of Jesus and expect there to be no conflict anywhere ever. Lord, I'll follow you. I just, you know, my kids got soccer. It's Sunday. We're tired, Lord. Oh, too much subway in the minivan. All right. All right. Now, what am I really getting at here? Am I asking you at some point to consider signing up for a bunch of volunteer hours at the church? No. I mean, not today. You should do that. It's, it's cool. It's fun. But that's not what today's about. Was there a big uh, building campaign at the end where I squeeze you for money? No, man. I'm, I want you to be great Christians. Like, I want it to be so good for you and in you and coming out of you that you just can't imagine life any different. And we know how to do it. It's about your hands and it's about your mouth. Because at the right moment, a hand on somebody's shoulder can change your life. At the right moment, a word can put heart into somebody and keep them from giving up. Let's them know they're not alone. That's your ministry. It's not a microphone, it's not a book, it's not a guitar. I mean, maybe it's also all of those things, but even if it's those things, those things are always secondary to what you're doing with your hands, what you're doing with your mouth. The Lord's bringing you back to life, bro, today. Third guy comes to Jesus, Lord, I, I follow you. Uh, but, I, you know, let me go home and take care of the people there. What, what's he saying? Well, he's probably some kind of landholder, um, an estate overseer. So he's essentially saying, let, let me go home and take care of all this, this stuff. You know, let me take care of my job, my responsibilities. Lord, I'll follow you. I just, you know, I'm working on this master's degree. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tired, Lord. I know there's some things I got to do. I just, man, I got to, you know, I got to, I just got to not right now. Now, what does Jesus say? Because he makes this, this, what seems like a threat at the end, right? Anyone who puts his hand to the plow and then you know, turns around and puts his back on it is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Say that, is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. You say it, is not. It's a good F word, man. You just lean into that, make everybody nervous around you, you know. Now, we think that maybe what Jesus is saying is, if you bury your dad, you're going to hell, right? That's what it sounds like a little bit, you know? You, you, get, you get distracted by all this stuff. Well, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. It sounds like he pulls the lever and the ground opens up and Satan's fiery hand grabs your heart or takes you to the place where they play heavy metal music or whatever. You know, that's, but, but we know that fit means something different. Like if you've ever had to hire somebody, you know that, that fit is really important. 
And when we hire people to work at West Winds, you know, and we, we got paid jobs. We always have tons of people that apply for the jobs, and which is a lot of fun. And so we, we put them through a pretty healthy, pretty rigorous interview process. Because we want to know if they fit. I mean, they, we, we, you know, we're not hiring people without qualifications, but there's lots of qualified people. So great, I got your resume. I just want, do you fit? So we, we use these ancient spiritual practices called coffee. You know, we sit them in my office. We uh, have intense interviewing, um, you know, rigor that we take them through. We make jokes. If they laugh, then we like them. We talk about our families. We talk about our hobbies. We listen to music. We talk about film, television, whatever. Um, if they respond to what we're saying with, you know, a list of the Bible studies that they've accomplished in 2019 and how many hours every day they put we think they're full of BS and we don't hire them because they don't fit. Can't be fake and work here. We just, ain't nobody got time for that. That's what Jesus is saying. If you're going to fit into the kingdom of God, you've you got you to gotta realize what the kingdom is like. If you're really worried about your boundaries, you gotta have some me time, you know, Netflix and chill on a Tuesday, get your Snuggie on, and you know, maybe some chamomile tea. You're all wondering if I know what it is. Bro, I invented it. <laughs> you know, if you're real worried about your me time and clocking in at those 11 and a half hour sleeps every night, man, the, you just might not fit in the kingdom. You know where Jesus sleeps? In storms. Um, if you're really worried about keeping your husband from harping on you, then you just might not fit in the kingdom. You, you, you might have to cowgirl up, you know? Like maybe... The Lord didn't call you to be the husband whisperer. Maybe God made you to be a remarkable woman of authority and power. Maybe there's a force more dominant in the universe than the fact that his troubled ego has not been soothed with a pack of natty light. You want to be fit for the kingdom of God? You want to fit in and find your place? Well, you, you might have to play hurt sometimes. You might have to play tired sometimes. You might have to do the work of the ministry after you do all your other stuff. But it's going to be worth it. And the joys, the enthusiasms, man, the passion, the adventure. Yeah, it's worth it, but, but let's, let's count the cost. See, Jesus isn't making a threat. We're not judging. We're just saying, look, if you are too tired or too busy or too concerned to love and serve other people, you're going to have a hard time fitting into a kingdom of love and service. No judgment, but just don't be surprised later on. Now, I know this really well. I, I mean, I've lived through this a lot. And again, let me remind you, today is about how you figure out what your ministry is. 
how you go to the next level in your faith and your experience of the Holy Spirit, about how God guides you with your hands and with your mouth. But it's just, it's going to be hard. Like, I've been feeling like I need a little space. That's why, you know, a lot of you know I started a charity earlier uh, last year, a chapter house for training and developing pastors. People all over the world would come here. and So I, I think of that as my life's work. I love Westwinds. I'm so grateful to be here. Uh, it's a bit tricky sometimes to do both. So I think, Lord, I've I got to set some boundaries so that I can work for the chapter house. I mean, this is my, this is my dream. Um, but then I'll, I'll start working on chapter house stuff. I'll be writing grants. I'll be putting business plans together. And, and I'll get a phone call from somebody, from, from one of you. And somebody needs prayer. Somebody's in the hospital. Somebody's excited about a new opportunity. And then I got a choice to make. And please understand, we're not talking about a choice that I make at, you know, 11.30 on a Tuesday morning. We're talking about a choice that I make 11.30 at night, every night. And so I go like, Lord, I'm like, how much more am I supposed to give? And then I remember all that I've been given. I think, well, I want to set boundaries, you know, and, and then I go, well, I want to set boundaries like Jesus set them, which means I can give a little more. I can give a little more. And, of course, I got responsibilities. Um, you know, people always, they tease me. Um, you, people are under the impression that I'm very, very busy. Um, I'm very, very fulfilled. When I'm, when I'm not busy, I'm sleepy. So I don't want to be sleepy. I want to do the things. It's very fun for me. So they say, well, how do you do all the things? Well, I just, if I can, I say yes. And then away we go. So I have responsibilities. West Winds, this is my, this is my job. This is my first priority. Chapter house, of course, I'm a college professor, I'm an executive coach, I'm a writer, I'm a developer. I got all this stuff. So I got, I got these responsibilities, you know? And sometimes I'll be working on these other responsibilities and I'm getting excited. We're meeting deadlines and I'm developing authors and I'm developing speakers and we're starting new stuff. And then, then I'll get an email from somebody. And sometimes the email is a bit, um, a bit snarky. Sometimes it starts out like this. Uh, if this is the actual email of His Royal Highness, I wonder if you could perhaps get out of your ivory tower and condescend to the level of lay people and make a recommendation for a church in southern Florida while I'm on vacation. You all don't have Google? Well, all right. So then I'm in my spirit, I'm mad. I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I'm running out of ways that I can think of to love and serve others. And it's tricky when they, when they, when they crap on me, when I'm abused. And then I think about Jesus. Was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And I think, well, 
All right, Super Chief, you can do a little more. I can do a little more. I can do it without a chip on my shoulder. I can do it without being, without being snarky, without being mean-spirited. I can absorb somebody else's scorn and serve them and love them because Jesus did that for me. Before I'm ever a pastor, I'm a Christian. And there might be times where I have to tell them, there's not a church on planet Earth that will welcome you because you are a son of Satan. <laughs> but mostly, I can say, thanks for the email. Uh, I'll get back to you after I Google. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I know what it's like to have family stresses. Uh, you, you know, of course, uh, we shared with you around Christmas that my daughter's been sick. Um, I haven't been well. And about two weeks ago, we got the word that my father's been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, it's inoperable. It's malignant. There's a 7% chance that he'll live through the next six months. And as I'm getting the news, which is devastating for me, I, uh, I have people asking for help, for favors, for prayer. I think, Lord, I just I don't know that I want to help them right now. I need help. And then I think about Jesus up there on the cross between two thieves. And like at the end of his life, Jesus is helping the other thief find his way into heaven. I think maybe the best way to heal is to be a healer. So I say, all right, Lord, I, I can do a little more. I can do a little more. Now, when I say I can do a little more, what am I talking about? I'm not, I'm not any busier. It's about what you do with your hands. It's about what you do with your mouth because life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I want you to think about what you're doing with your hands and what you're doing with your mouth. Because if you're paying attention, there are, there are people around you that need you. They don't need me. We have sometimes the, the delusion that, you know, your cousin who hates God and hates church, he would stop hating God and hating church if I just, you know, came to his birthday like a clown. The ugliest, no, the clown that looks like an ashtray. Who would want that? Here. No, your, your cousin needs you. And it's not hard. I mean, it's not, it's not tricky, man. The stuff that God has put in you to do is going to feel like you. It's going to flow out of you. It's going to be just, you're going to think of somebody, and you're going to reach out to them. You think somebody needs a hug, and you're going you're gonna to hug them. Because God can do things through you that God simply will not do through me. And God is calling you out. It's, it's time. It's time. I'll give you an example of, of how it works. Um, my friend Eric 
has the ministry of texting. And so he's been thinking about it. He knew about my dad, and, and so he's been sending me messages almost every day. Love you, Dave. Love you, man, thinking about you and your family. Love you, Dave. Can't stop thinking about you both. When I was showing the slide to everybody this morning, I got another text message. This ministry. It's ministry. And you got one. Your kids, your people. That's what today's about. Today's about you waking up to the fact that you don't have to wait anymore. You don't got to wait. Right? God's got his hand on your life. God's got something for you. There's no reason. No reason for you to wait. God intends to heal this world through people. Because God's Holy Spirit lives in people. It's amazing, right? Because the things that you care about matter to God. So here I am getting this chapter house started. I'm worried about my dad. I'm worried about how I'm going to see my dad and all the competing financial pressures. And out of nowhere, my my friend says, "What if I, what if I got you a ticket to see your father?" What if I, what if I just let you go say goodbye? Well, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's seven percent chance. I got faith for 7%. I still want to see my dad. So I take an unplanned spur-of-the-moment trip to get home, see my father. I didn't get any alone time with him because there's people all over the world flying in to see him. Church leaders, denominational leaders, evangelists, professors. And, of course, the whole time he's sitting there, and he's so jaundiced. He's so sick. He looks like an emoji. I mean, he's bright yellow. You kind of want to make him a little hat that looks like the sun, you know. And, and all he's doing is he's praying for people. People coming to see him. Oh, you know, we pray for you. The Lord would heal you. And then he pray for them, and they pray back for him. It's like ping pong. Who could outbless the other person? Because your ministry is what you do with your mouth. With your mouth, you can pray. So all these people are flying in from all over the world. Dad gets this nurse. She says, she says, you know, like, who, who are you? Are you the Pope or something, you know? And, uh, and he, he tells her, and she goes, oh, that's really neat. I'm also a Christian. I actually spent the last couple years in Uganda at a medical mission. Which one? They share all the details. It's, it's a medical mission my dad started. So I leave, I'm with my dad, we're at the hospital, and 
and uh, it's the day I'm supposed to fly back here. You know, I fly back here because we have a, a work day at the chapter house, and I'm trying to get people to come and help, and um, I'm thinking I'm going to have like 10 people there, and so i got to come back and quarterback it, and we're going to clean out this old house and get ready to train pastors, and, and I'm conflicted, right, because I'm leaving my dad again, and I'm feeling like a piece of garbage, you know, and then... Um, you know, it's like being in hospital rooms. You're just there for forever, and there's nothing to do. And, you know, you, so I fall asleep. When I wake up, my dad's gone. And they go, oh, we're transferring him to a better hospital. You know, think of it as like going from the local hospital to the big, fancy hospital. So I follow him in the ambulance. Well, when we get stuck in traffic, we get separated, and, and I'm starting to worry I'm going to miss my flight. But I'm not going to leave without saying goodbye. So I come into the emergency room. And they got all these uh, security measures, you know, it's a big city, and, and I can't get in to see them. And the clock is winding down, and I'm panicking, and the more agitated I get, the more the security becomes concerned about this ugly, tattooed creature, quoting scripture like a maniac in the emergency room, you know. And, and so then, finally, I get in to see my dad. I have 10 seconds with my father alone kiss him and tell him I love him. And then I'm off to the airport and I'm a mess. You know, I'm bawling my eyes out in the departure lounge. I just look like a homeless person. And the, the captain, like the pilot, leaves, which I don't know how they fly the plane without the pilot, but he leaves to come and rub my back, you know, tell me it's going to be okay. I get home and now I'm worried I'm thinking I'm just, I'm not going to have the help to do the things that God has put in me to do. And then, then 41 people show up to help me at the chapter house. I thought I'd get 10. I got, I got 41. And I realized, man, the, the people of God are good because God is good. And when God works through you, that's, that's the church. See, your ministry is not a microphone or a stage or a platform. It starts in here. And it manifests in your hands and in your mouth. And of course, when I'm away from West Winds, there's maybe one or two things to take care of here, but, but God raises up people like you, like Ben, to, you know, do something for once. <laughs> and we were in Nashville this week for this worship conference, you know, and, and of course, I'm worried again about being away from my father and, and feeling a little hacked off that, that I didn't get any one-on-one -on -one time with him. You know, I got to share him with all these important folks. And my phone rings. And we're, we're in the Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville. Now, true confession. Okay, we go to the worship conference, but I get a little grumpy at church conferences. And I, and I, I know that nobody's perfect, but they're less perfect than I am, okay? I just, it's important to get that out there right now. So we go to the worship conference, and then, I, you know, I got to tap out in the afternoon. We go to the Johnny Cash Museum. is the best worship leader there ever was, except for the country music part. But, you know, just he wore all black, so that's pretty cool. And so I'm standing in the cafe, and the phone rings, and it's my dad. And so we're talking, and dad says, son, I just want you to know I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. I'm not scared. Thank you for coming. I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm going to be there for the opening day of the chapter house. I love you. 
And in um, true West Winds fashion, you know, everybody else on our worship team was at the bar. So, <laughs> I mean, they were having coffee or whatever, but, you know. So I go over and I sit with them and I just, I just start sobbing. I mean, I'm just a mess. I'm a wreck. And you know what they did? It's like impossible to comprehend the complexity of, of this. This is what they did. This held me. And you got somebody in your life that needs this. God's put you there to do that for them. And you wonder, Lord, who's the people that are going to do that for me? When am I going to get it? God says, it doesn't work like that, man. We love and serve others. We love and serve others. And it's, it's fascinating for me when I think you know, of my responsibilities to you as your pastor. All I want for you is to walk in a sense of confidence that God has his hand on your life. So that you're moved, motivated, and directed by the Spirit. So that you can just get this nudge. Man, I, sh- I should probably give that person a hug. I should probably just call that person up and tell them I'm thinking about them. And it doesn't have to be complicated. You just have to be obedient. It doesn't have to be emotional. You can be a total cyborg. You could be a human calculator, and it would still work. And these little moments where I just know the Lord is looking after me in the same way that I know the Lord is looking after you, the same way I know that God is calling you out. You don't have to worry so much about your boundaries. God's going to take you and lead you. And you don't have to worry so much about whether or not your family is going to fall apart and be a disaster because you, you know, sent a text message telling your friend you were thinking about it. It's going to be okay. And you remember the last three weeks we were doing this DJ series, you know, we had everything going on, and, and I realized that was, you know, a big stretch, and we were excited about it. But I got the news about my dad before I had to pretend to be a disc jockey. That was sort of some complicated stuff that we were doing. Get the news about dad at like 10 or 11 o'clock at night on Friday, and immediately I'm thinking, oh, no, I, I got to like, I got to fancy preach in, you know, 30 hours. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And that was also the week that I was privileged to play guitar. I used to be a worship leader, so when I was playing electric guitar, I realized, man, this is God's gift. The Lord knows I need help to cope with the grief of losing my father. And so he says, here, take your guitar, cry baby. And so I came in here in the auditorium at like 4 o'clock in the morning. It was earlier than I think it was 3.30, and I just started playing and worshiping. And God, God just began to extend grace on grace on grace to make me strong. See, because one of the other things you can do with your mouth is you can, you can sing. Kelly said, there's a way in which we can sing for others. You can sing, and it'll heal people. And I know that because when I was speaking with my father on the phone, he sang, which I've never heard him do. He's saying, I am the God that healeth thee. I'm the Lord, your healer. And it healed me.
As you pastor, all I want for you is to know how beautiful it is to minister to others. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how much wrong stuff you've done. There's grace for you. And today, you gotta take your hands, you gotta take your mouth, and you gotta heal the world. So I'm rambling on too long. Here's what I want you to do. You you just just look at them big old meaty mitts you got. And then when you're ready, just stand up and give them to God.